If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And yes, I am your host, Todd Huff. Email, as always, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com. For those of you who want to watch the program live or maybe even a little bit later on demand on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show. Be sure to like the page while you're there as well. It uh, helps us reach more folks, helps us continue to grow the program, and you've been a huge blessing in that sense as we've added hour number two, and I thank you for helping us uh, continue to grow and reach more folks with the conservative, not uh, bitter message, which is very, very needed in today's today's world. So I want to talk about Bloomberg today. It seems like this guy, I mean, this is adding insult to injury here on day number 16 of the Democrat Party in crisis. Democrat Party in crisis. In fact, it's in such a crisis. Do you know, I posted this just speaking of Facebook, I posted this yesterday on on Facebook. I'm going to look at this right now. Excuse me. 538, you know this, uh, this this group. Um, They actually are having, uh uh-oh, this has changed since yesterday. Man, I wanted to tell you, but I can tell you as of yesterday, the front runner was technically no one. And I'm not, I don't mean that everybody tied. I mean that the candidate in first place was no one. I know this sounds like a who's on first bit, right? That's, but no one was leading, was leading this race as far as the odds. According to Nate Silver's group, 538, the odds that no one would win the Democratic primary, there was a 30, yesterday it was 38 or 30, I forget. No one had a 37 or 38% chance of winning, which basically means this thing would go to, excuse me, a contested convention, which we can talk about. I just popped this thing up here this morning. And as of this morning, as of the past 30 minutes, Bernie Sanders is now ahead of no one. No one is now in second place, (laughs) which I got to tell you, I I thoroughly enjoy this. Sanders is ahead of no one. It reminds me a little bit back in 2016, back in 2016 when Trump, Cruz, Rubio, and John Kasich were the last four Republicans left standing. 
and Rubio and Cruz dropped out of the race. But Kasich, Kasich insisted apparently he still had a chance of winning the 2016 nomination and so he stayed in the race i remember distinctively remember distinctively saying on this program that john Kasich was 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 uh, currently in fourth out of only two candidates <laughs> the other two had dropped out he didn't even surpass the two that had dropped out in their delegate counts and so i would say that john Kasich was fin- was running in fourth out of only two candidates this reminds me of that No one was leading. Now no one is in second place in the Democratic primary process. But there's still an equal chance here. Bernie Sanders, as they've updated this in the past 30 minutes. They must have gotten wind that I was going to talk about this. And they had to find a way to recalculate so that Bernie was at least in first place. They couldn't have – this is a liberal group. I mean, Nate Silver uh, committed a liberal here. Doesn't mean that he's not doing his best to – well, it might – I'm just being fair here. Doesn't mean that he's trying to cook the numbers, but um, Sanders now has a 39% chance of being the nominee. No one has a 30, 37% chance. And see, when you see the person named no one, like that could literally mean anyone. I think they should just put, instead of no one, it should be anyone. Because if this thing goes to a contested election, that means all of these candidates are going to be vying for the superdelegates. <clears throat> because the way that this works, you get pledged delegates in the first round of voting in the primary process. When this goes to the convention this summer, when the Democrats are going to name their nominee or maybe select their nominee, right? I mean, they have a, it's as good a chance that no one wins as there is that Sanders wins or Instead of no one, let's say anyone. I think that's probably a better because someone's going to be here. We go. This is like a, a, a who's on first bit, right? Who's on first? What's on second? No one, anyone, someone. Someone's going to win. It could be anyone, but right now, no one is in second place here in the Democratic Party primary. And I think this is absolutely this. This is the sort of thing that makes my day right here. This is it. This is this is it. No one is in second place, and that he was or she was. That's another thing. And this this thing. No one is is genderless. We've got truly a genderless candidate with no race, no ethnicity. This person is literally anyone and everyone. This is like hope and change. You know, we can it could be whatever we want. In fact, he or she can be an it if we want. If no one is the candidate here, and there's so many things we could do with this. This is. Something that's uh, just, I, I think, fantastic here as we head into in the Nevada, the Nevada caucus this weekend. But if we get to the end of this process, we get through Super Tuesday, we get through additional states that hold their primaries in in the uh, month of March. A lot of folks do that. There's a lot of primaries that, uh, primaries that are coming up here next month. We've got Nevada on the 22nd. We've got South Carolina on the 29th, that's a February this month. And then we jump into Super Tuesday. Ton of states there and the America Samoa, American Samoa, which um, is not one of, well, it might be one of the 57 states Obama visited, but it's not technically a U.S. state. So Super Tuesday includes California and Texas, two huge states, North Carolina, Virginia, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Colorado, Tennessee, Alabama, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Utah, Maine, Vermont, and the America American Samoa. The following, the following week, 
Um, we've got another group of seven states. So that will be, what is that, March the 10th. So Super Tuesday is March 3rd. March 10th are seven other states. Then we've got some other primaries, another group of four states on the 17th. Georgia's on the 24th, the 29th, Puerto Rico. Four states in April, on April 4th, and Wisconsin on the 7th. Then we jump to the end of April. So really, here in the next month or so, we're going to see one or two, one of two things happening. Either candidates are going to continue to split these these votes, right? Split the votes in on Super Tuesday because again, these delegates, the way that they are divvied out and they are signed, these pledged delegates is based upon the voting results, and so they're handed out uh, or they're they're awarded, I should say. They're awarded. Um, they should be handed out. I mean, we got socialists. Everybody should get an equal amount, but. They don't, so it's an unfair system to begin with. But we should, or or they will divvy these out, hand these out, award these based upon, um, based upon a percentage proportionally. So as long as we have people in the thirty thirty five percent range as the winners, um, we're going to see a small number of delegates because you have to have fifty percent of the pledged delegates uh, in order to win this thing. Which is why it's showing no one is currently in a very close second space, uh, second place. Which again could be anyone, and it will be someone. Could be one of the names listed here. But right now, it means that no one would win on the pledge delegates. Those are the delegates that have to be awarded based upon the votes that have already happened, and those votes in the primary states that are yet to happen. So when we get all the way to the summer here. And we go to the Democratic Convention. If no one has what it's, it's some number of delegates uh, has to be over half uh, nineteen hundred and sixty nine or some such number. It's between nineteen hundred and two thousand delegates. If no one gets to that number, then you have the super delegates that come in, and it's you know someone has to eclipse. It's a new number. It's twenty three hundred, I think, because now they add add in the super delegates. The super delegates are the ones. Who are the um, the bourgeois? I guess you could say of the Democratic Party. These are the folks who um, kind of the ruling class, if you will, of the Democrat Party. The folks who are, um, you know, not not the folks that Bloomberg was talking about, right? Not these pathetic farmers. Oh my goodness, Bloomberg out there talking about farmers, and we'll talk about that. I know many of you. We have farmers that listen to this program. I don't. Uh, did you take any notes from Bloomberg talking about your your uh, family business, your career, what you do for a living, acting as though it's second class or some such thing? Pathetic farmers, dumb farmers, the way that Bloomberg talks about it. I mean, what a what an idiot! I mean, this guy this guy doesn't understand. Even listen to him explaining farming. You dig a hole and you plant something in the ground. I mean, is that <laughs> Is that is that what – there's so much more to this. I've worked on some farms. I've never done the level of farming that some of these uh, – some of you have done. But it's a sophisticated business. There's a lot of things to manage, and there's a lot going on there. Who is this guy thinking he can talk about farmers like that? He's He's an elitist. This is the way he looks at this. He's arrogant, condescending, knows it all. A lot to say about that as well. I don't want to get into that just yet, but – 
But that's these are the people that are running. So we're going to have people like Bloomberg's, these elitists, if we get to superdelegates, that are then going to get their say. And to be candid, that's when Sanders' chances probably go down a lot because the party powers that be, the party powers are not the, the, the leaders, the superdelegates, do not want the Democrat Party to be outright socialist. And so then we have to figure out what you know what's this going to look like now because because we've got this um, this rift in the party this rift in the party and so they're they're hoping in some sense that either no one wins who's currently in second place or that one of their guys wins which would be one of the three B's Biden Bloomberg or Buttigieg at this point. By the way, Buttigieg's odds, according to Nate Silver, 2%. Bloomberg's, 8%. Biden's, 12%. No one has a 37% chance. Sanders has a 39% chance. If you're wondering about Elizabeth Warren, my cousin Liz, she's down to just a mere 1% chance of winning the nomination. It's a sad day for the family. But all others come in at 0.2%, everyone else. Unless they're no one, in, in which case that they're no one, uh, that becomes everyone. So everyone has a 37% chance of winning. No one could be, some would suggest Hillary Clinton, some would suggest Michelle Obama, Oprah Winfrey. Maybe no one would be Bloomberg. Maybe no one would be Biden. I think it's safe to say no one is not Sanders because of these superdelegates and how that, that would be uh, calculated and, and how they would, uh, I think coalesce around someone who's not Sanders. That's uh, That seems to be the direction that the, the party is going away from the party leaders want to keep it with the establishment. They want a liberal. They're even okay with some of these policies. They just aren't down with this being uh, talked about in such open, shameless ways. And that's why Sanders is not the choice. But anyway, I have a lot more to say about this. I think Oz gave me the we good for a commercial. Yeah, she's nodding. Commercial break. Got to take a time out. Continue with this. I want to talk a little bit about Bloomberg as well, but I have to do this after this time out. You are listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. Yes, I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Welcome one of our newer advertisers to the program here in Central Indiana, actually based in the small town that I've called home, at least one of their one of their branches are in Monrovia, just uh, south and west of Indianapolis, Citizens Bank. Citizens Bank, um, they are, they have branches in what, Avon, <clears throat> um, Monrovia, Mooresville, um, you know, south and west of, of the city. But if you are looking for a bank, I can ask you consider the good folks at Citizens Bank. And Monrovia is close enough for you. You can walk in and ask for Nick Gibson, manager of the bank there, and he'd be happy to set you up with anything you need. But I welcome Citizens Bank here in central Indiana, one of our newest, uh, one of our newest advertisers. Uh, welcome them to the program. So talking about this Democrat Party primary. Talking about, uh, again, I, I, I say 
day number 16, Democrat Party in crisis. Because that's really what we're dealing with here. Because, again, as we've gone through extensively, I won't go through it all today, but we've got we've – got, um, there's, there's problems here, right? There's the, the establishment who's had control of the party has – doesn't like the idea of an open socialist, a democratic socialist, a whatever socialist, whatever he wants to call himself, Bernie. Um, they don't want that ideology running, running the party, and it is darn close to taking over the party. In fact, it's so close – it's so close to taking over the party that Nate Silver uh, predicts that the great, the, the the highest probability at this point of the the outcome of the primary process is that Bernie Sanders wins the nomination. Now that's only uh, about well, currently thirty nine percent, according to Nate Silver and his group five thirty eight, with no one in second place. Now, as I've said, no one is anyone. And no one would eventually be someone, but that someone would not be Bernie because the party that that's when you see no one wins, that means the establishment wins. When no one wins the the you know through the pledged delegate count, when no one is the the clear winner, when no one gets to nineteen hundred and ninety, I think is the number. Um, it's nineteen hundred ninety something. I'm looking here on Nate Silver's uh, side. He's got some dotted line that's right beside 1990 i'm presuming that that's the number it might be like 1992 or something like that but 1990 delegates roughly is what a a candidate needs <clears throat> and of course we're nowhere near uh that that point at this at this point in time so the democrat party's in, in crisis uh, there's a, a healthy chunk of people who want it to be anyone but bernie there's a healthy group of people that want it to be only Bernie. And so they're fighting for control of the party. And so the establishment types are left with Joe Biden, Michael Bloomberg, and Pete Buttigieg at this particular point in time. And they're left with the decision here. Does I mean, Biden, my goodness, this guy was the front runner. His numbers have taken, you know, they've, they've fallen off the side of a cliff. In fact... <clears throat> Pardon me. Even uh, before the before the Iowa caucus uh, at the end of January, Biden had it looks like according to Silver's projections somewhere around forty percent, maybe in the forties percent chance of winning this thing. After the Iowa caucus, it plummeted to under twenty percent, and it's been steadily declining since to where he's down to 12%. This is an uninspiring campaign. This is a campaign full of gaffes. This is a campaign full of legends and stories about corn pop. This is a campaign that's full of, I mean, they, they have trouble raising money. I get the emails. These are some of the most pathetically written emails. I, I don't, I would never vote for Joe Biden, but I'm telling you, this is objective. This is not me just picking on Biden, <laughs> Although it's tempting to do so, these emails are not inspiring, folks. I never would have voted for Obama because of his uh, his ideology, the role of government, you know, things like uh, calling 
people who cling to their guns and Bible bitter clingers, um, Obama's view of the role of of, of government, uh, the you know just the you didn't build that sort of nonsense. I mean, there's Obamacare um, leading from behind. I could go on and on about this, but there's plenty of reasons why I never would have voted for Obama. But in comparing the Obama campaign, the Obama emails that I used to get, because yes, I used to get those too. My friends find it funny to sign me up for these emails, so I get them. And I I read them sometimes. And you compare and contrast the Obama emails and the Obama campaign, hope and change. You could say, as I do, that that campaign was all smoke and mirrors in the sense that what did it really mean? It didn't really stand for anything in particular. It just meant it just meant uh, whatever the person hearing it wanted it to mean. And if you take away in a purely strategic sense, it was it was brilliant, right? But in a if you if you factor in uh, wanting to communicate an accurate message, truth, and morality. It, it was empty. There wasn't anything there, but it sounded so good and appealing to people. So anyway, <clears throat> anyway, we have this. Um, that's one of their candidates. And then we got Pete Buttigieg, who, you know, there's uh, there's there's been some comparisons of some to Obama, but the guy doesn't have the uh, quite the the cool factor. I mean, I've watched him in a couple of personal interactions. He might be well spoken and articulate. Uh, has a you know an, a, uh, an, an educational background that's appealing to some of the liberal elitists. It sounds like the right sort of pedigree and so forth, as they might say. And uh, but look, he's inexperienced. Um, he's he's very young. He would be the youngest president ever elected. Um. And there's some questions about some things that's happened in South Bend that he's going to have to probably address in a general election. Would he get bull rushed on stage with Donald Trump? I think the answer to that is clearly yes. Um, but he also doesn't have that. He's he's not as he does. He's not as cool as Obama. He doesn't have that. I, I watched him, you know, just be introduced the other day, and they, they were raising the roof up there, right? Some of the stupid things you see it campaign events and rallies and he was just so uncomfortable as by the way a lot of us would be i'm not picking on pete about this but you know there's all those factors and they're like this guy and then i'm then there's the 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 issue of uh you know some folks are wondering if america is uh, ready for him to be uh you know the the first uh, the first Homosexual. He has. A, he's a husband, um, president of the United States. Some raising questions about that, which I know you're not supposed to say, but there are questions about that from folks. Is that really? Um, so some folks would say that that might help um, in a sense. Other folks would say there's some people who who are never going to vote um, for someone who's in a same-sex marriage, or whatever the case may be, right? There's all these questions. That's the point. It's just questions. These aren't allegations. I'm just just saying the questions and the mindset of the people in the establishment. Then then along comes Michael Bloomberg, which Oz just gave me the signal it's time to take a break a moment ago. So I, I want to pause because Bloomberg, we got a whole bunch to say about Bloomberg. Um, and that's where I want to share with 
uh, with you the comments about farmers he made. This was unearthed from, what, 2016 or some, I think, about, about that time. And I want to play this. I want to share this. I know some of you are farmers. Um, for those that aren't farmers, you probably know farmers in, in this particular, in, in, in central Indiana, um, especially if you you know come from an area like I do. There's a lot of a lot of farmers or farming communities, so it's they're not far from you here in central Indiana. And Bloomberg's got farming figured out. Bloomberg has farming down to a science. He could teach. He could teach any of you. That's what he says. He could teach you to be a farmer. You just dig a hole and put something in the ground. Poof. There you have it. That's all it is. It's just a continual process of digging holes, dropping seeds in the ground, and then it grows. That's it. So Bloomberg talks about that. So you got this condescending, arrogant billionaire who, by the way, has dropped $134 million in ads. Um, I don't know if it was... uh, Nevada, Super, maybe Super Tuesday, leading up to Super Tuesday, I think. So, is that the person the Democrat Party wants to nominate? We'll talk more about him after the break, but I've got to take that time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So we've been going through the candidates, going through this primary process, looking at the the reasons, the rationale, the background as to why I say we're at day number 16 of a Democrat party in crisis. This thing was kicked off during the Iowa caucus. And now, by the way, there's also words that the or concerns that the Nevada caucus is not quite ready. They're not ready to count votes and so forth there as well. There's a lot of angst uncertainty, anxiety, fear that these campaigns have in Nevada, wondering if, in fact, if, in fact, they're going to have um, a repeat of Iowa, which I say they should ship in as many Democrats, bus them in, get their their socks off, fingers and toes ready to tabulate these votes in the state of Nevada here um, as we move towards uh, the caucus this weekend. So, but we're talking about individual candidates. We're talking about the establishment candidates, right? Biden, Buttigieg, and Bloomberg. And I talked about some of the concerns or questions that the establishment might have, or I think they do have, about uh, Buttigieg and Biden. And again, these are questions. I know I know. I raised the question about, you know, some asking um, – about the the idea of of Buttigieg with him being um, married to a same sex spouse, I know that that's taboo. But I'm just saying these are questions that the party's asking. These are things that they're wondering. This is why a combination of these factors are why people cannot coalesce around one of these establishment candidates. Be it well, they can't they can't coalesce around Bloomberg because he's not on the ballot yet. In fact, he just qualified for the debate. So we'll see him for the first time uh, tomorrow night if you're going to take the time to watch this. Yeah, you might. You might want to tune in just to see if he's standing on a box as, tr- as Trump has told us he's going to be doing. Um, so, but, um, so these are their choices, and there's, there's you know a pros and cons in their minds about each and every one of these individuals. 
And but they don't want it to be uh, excuse me to be Sanders. That's why no one is currently in second place. No one is actually a someone. That's that someone can be anyone as long as anyone isn't Bernie Sanders. If we get to the point where the Democrat Party has a contested convention, so I want to play this clip from Bloomberg. This is one of the reasons why the establishment has trouble with Michael Bloomberg, <clears throat> and there's several reasons. And these things are. Uh, kind of coming out of the woodwork right now, as Bloomberg is the most popular name in the Democrat Party right now. So he's sitting before uh, students here up on stage telling them about uh, the economy and the, how the economy's changed and, well, how easy it is to be a farmer. And in fact, he could teach everyone in attendance, everyone in attendance, probably including anyone who can hear my voice this morning. You are someone that Michael Bloomberg could teach to be a farmer. Listen how he describes this. Listen how he articulates this. And you can see clearly why there's a problem here. Here he goes. Anybody, even people in this room, so no offense intended, to, to be a farmer. You, it's a process. You dig a hole, you put a seed in, you put dirt on top, add water, up comes the corn. Then we had 300, you could learn that. Then, then um, you have 300 years of the industrial society. Uh, you put the piece of metal on the lathe, you turn the crank and the direction of the arrow, and you can have a job. And, and we created a lot of jobs. 1.98% of the world worked in, uh, in agriculture. Today, it's 2% in the United States. Uh, now comes the information economy. And the information economy is fundamentally different because it's built around replacing people with technology, and the skill sets that you have to learn are how to think and analyze. And that is a whole degree level different. You have to have a different skill set. You have to have a lot more gray matter. Anybody? Even yeah, you have to have a lot, more, a lot more gray matter, <laughs> says Bloomberg. You got, <laughs> what, what is this? I, I have a question for any farmer out there this morning listening to the program. Do you think you could learn a single thing about farming? One, one single thing about farming for Michael Bloomberg. Do you think, I'm not even sure Michael Bloomberg has ever set foot on a farm. He might have set foot on a farm for some photo op when he was mayor or who knows, right? Something like this. But as far as working on a farm, as far as digging his holes and planting seeds in them and then covering them up and whatever educational program he's going to put in place where he is the teacher. Farmers come in for classes to pay this guy to teach them how to dig holes in the ground and to plant seed. It's a process. <clears throat> Actually, Mr. Smarty Pants here, he says it's a process is It's a process. You don't need multiple processes to talk about one single process, Mayor Bloomberg, and your hoity-toity little condescending talk there. Truth is, this guy doesn't have the slightest clue about farming. He's up there telling the rest of the, the world that he could teach people how to be a farmer. Give me a break. <laughs> Give me a break. This guy, I mean, look, I, I never ran a farm. I, I managed the standard bred horse, uh, horse farm, and I, so I never planted crops. I managed livestock in the sense of, you know, horses. And there were, I think at most we had at one time were probably... We might have had a couple dozen, maybe 20 at one time because we were, you know, they were racehorses. They were different places. They were off having foals and different things like this. But 
<laughs> this guy, this guy, he's never, he's never, uh, you know, planted any seeds. He's never bailed any hay. He's never picked any sweet corn. He's never uh, driven a tractor. I mean, maybe he has. I, I just can't imagine. But there's a lot more wrong with this than even what meets the eye. Just the condescending arrogance and the mindset of a of a politician. This is what's wrong. One of the things, by the way, that's wrong with big government, elitism, liberalism. They think they've got the answers for everybody. And they have not a clue, folks, not a clue. No human being can have all of the details, knowledge necessary to manage, micromanage our total economy as these jokers think that they can. Anyway, I'll talk about that when we get back. Day number 16, Democrat Party in crisis. But don't worry if you are a leftist, a Democrat, you have found radio safe space. So you are safe here, but it is conservative, not bitter. So you should be advised that listening can, in fact, cause you to lean to the right. Sit tight. Be back here in just a minute. See, to me, this Bloomberg soundbite, this Bloomberg soundbite <clears throat> illustrates what is wrong, what is wrong with liberalism, what is wrong with an ideology that promises, um, you know, that government can solve, manage everything, which is what liberalism does. This is why there's such an emphasis placed on someone's uh, pedigree. They must have attended the Ivy League schools because they're so much smarter than the rest of us. Have to put these folks in charge so that they can make decisions that 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 make our lives better here on ground uh, at ground zero, so to speak. We need help from the elites among us to carry us through, to get us through the day, right? And that's kind of they they embrace this. That's why Michael Bloomberg can get up on stage with a straight face, with a straight face, and say how he could teach anyone in the room to be a farmer. This guy can't teach anyone anywhere to be a farmer. It's got to be, you got to be kidding me. Dig a hole and plant a seed in it? I mean, come on, man. That is, this is not, (laughs) this is not serious commentary on what it means to be a farmer. This guy has literally no. No idea. And then, of course, the the campaign comes out and they say, well, he was not talking about uh, farmers in today's world. He was talking about farmers uh, in the past, in the in the distant, distant past. Well, even even so, it's it's amazing to me. I, I think about these things from time to time and I think, you know, we have this knowledge base. The average person's knowledge today is greater than the average person's knowledge. Hang with me. I don't mean wisdom. I don't mean common sense. I mean knowledge. I mean the accumulation of facts because we've we've seen and we've been building upon those that have gone before us. It does not mean we're smarter. Not one bit. In fact, who's smarter? The person that, you know, I, I when I look at astronomy and I think about you, know, you look at the the stars, the planets, the mo- you know the movement, and uh, the, where, where Earth is, and Earth. You know, people used to think that the sun revolved around the Earth, and no, the the Earth revolves around the sun, and all this sort of stuff. And I think, 
Who's smarter? The person that knows that today, that fills his head with information, that reads that reads things that someone discovered? Someone sitting here with some antiquated piece of technology, right? Some sort of a uh, telescope that today we've got telescopes at Walmart that's a better quality than this guy was using back hundreds of years ago or thousands, whatever, a long time ago. Looking up into the heavens, this guy figures out, you know, the movement, that this is a planet, this is its, you know, track, they can identify constellations, navigate by constellations. You know, we, we spend a weekend Googling stuff so that we can sound smart somewhere, and we feel like we're smarter than that guy. Hardly. Hardly. I've said before, this is ours is a society that's high on information but low on wisdom it's like we have access to all sorts of information at our fingertips but yet we have not the slightest idea culturally i don't mean individually i don't mean you i mean culturally we think we think that we've got that information at our fingertips you google it and there's your answer well what do you do with the information once you get it you know if people understood understood the dangers of socialism communism and big government if they understood that they understood not just what they say they're going to do, not all these utopian promises, these, these promises to solve your problems, these promises to fix everything in your life, these promises, as Bloomberg here is going to teach people how to be farmers. <laughs> I mean, anyone with a degree of, of critical thinking skills can say, wait a minute, how can a New York lead, elitist liberal tell me anything about farming? Anything. Has he, you know, driven a tractor? Has he baled and stacked hay? Has he ever planted crop? Has he ever, you know, treated the soil before planting the crop? Does, does Bloomberg ever even know that you have to possibly put down, uh, you know, different uh, different things into the soil to, to prepare? Are you just digging holes all day? What's this, does he, I mean, it's just nonsensical gibberish. It's what we've got been subjected to, but it sounds right to some people because they don't know anything either. They don't need to Google it in this respect because Bloomberg's up there telling them farming's about digging holes and throwing seeds in there, and poof, something comes out of the ground as though that's all there is to it. We've got tractors with GPS now. I mean, this is I've, – I've had conversations with farmers, and, and the projections and the – the mathematics and the, the timing and, and when to, to plant, when to harvest, you know, how to get, you know, how to make sure that there's the least amount of water weight and all this kind of stuff that's happening. When to take something to market, when to store something. I, a bunch of moving parts that, that a lot more sophisticated than digging a hole in the ground, Bloomberg, anyway. But this is the problem of elitism, of liberalism. We, we many people think that these folks know everything. You know, they're they're in control of the minutia of the economy. They can make everything right if us darn conservative Republicans would just let them micromanage and control everything. And it's a bunch of nonsense. It's stupid, but yet it appeals to people. I don't know why. Sometimes, sometimes I know exactly why. Other times, I find myself wondering how can that be appealing to you. Anyway. More to say about Bloomberg, but I'm going to have to wait and stop here and take a break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. Your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute.
Welcome back. Just waning seconds of the first hour here. But I'll tell you that this – this uh, the problem with Bloomberg is a big problem, and we'll talk about this on the other side of the hour. For those who uh, can't get the program live on the radio, fear not. You can listen as a subscriber to Total Access. Just go to ToddHuffShow.com slash Total Access, and for just 25 bucks a year, you can uh, become a – member of Total Access, and you can listen even live to the second hour here, which we're about to get into here in just a couple of minutes. So we'll talk about Bloomberg. We'll talk more about the Democrat Party. We'll talk about liberalism, which we talked about with Bloomberg here on this side of the hour, top of the hour. So anyway, guys, thanks for listening. SDG, see you in a minute. Take care.